I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Bradley Todd. Bradley, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Just recovering from uh, a day of uh, news. We try to get these... So obviously, we try to get these podcasts out on a Monday. Sometimes scheduling means we want to get them out on a Tuesday. Obviously, with this week, two new courses and two intricate events, it was, it was kind of beneficial to both of us to do it on a Tuesday. That was before... The another further strategic alliance gets announced uh, in goal. I can't believe they've managed to sneak that buzzword in there again. Um, that, that was pretty wild. Uh, there we go. Look, I, I think I, you know, the, the stance I took with Matt on the drafting shows. I wasn't going to talk about this so much on these shows just because it takes up too much time. People are tuning in to hear about picks at the end of the day. Um, I will have a podcast on it later on this evening uh, about some sort of reaction to the news but first takes from you just baffled I think like everyone else is to be honest it's it's come out of nowhere usually you sort of hear rumours or like, some signals that something like this is going to come out and it's just nothing nothing it's just announced on the news and it's taken all the players by surprise and I think that's really disrespectful, especially as they've committed themselves to the tour. A lot of them have turned down millions, you know, to remain loyal. And, yeah, it's a massive, like, fucking slap in the face. Well, that's the, that's the thing, though, right? You can So we can all sit here and some people make jokes about it, some people are being serious about it. Like, it's something like it was horrible when, like, Zalazaurus got injured and it looks like it could be a potentially, like, career-defining injury. And, like, everyone was like, I can't believe he didn't take $130 million from Liv. But at least he was standing up for something that he believed in. And up yeah. until now, that meant something. Um, and it's the same with Hideki. Like, he, he pledged his allegiance to the tour, was fighting for his own injuries, came back, played mm-hmm. well. Rory's just been wheeled out week on week on week, probably tarnishing his own reputation to, to a certain extent because... He was quite hypocritical at times. He was, um, you know, really vitriol in his attack sometimes. And and a lot of people enjoyed that. Some didn't. I was on the fence. Sometimes I liked what he said and sometimes I thought he went too far. Um, And now he's just been... If if he didn't... I find it hard to believe he didn't... Yeah, like, I find it hard to believe he didn't know. Um, Whether he knew it was coming all along and, and had a part in it, I don't know. Yeah, so everyone was talking about Jimmy Dunn being this kind of saviour for golf and the PGA Tour and how he was kind of stopping players defecting to live and things like that. But he's now on the advisory board for this kind of three-pronged monster or whatever they're going to call it. So mm-hmm. it just feels there's a lot of kind of under-the-table dealings going on. And, uh, you know, Jay Monahan was attacking players and bringing the 9-11 stuff into it and now he's mm-hmm. in bed with them. Like it, I don't know how he survives. No, I, I can't see it. I mean, he's literally betrayed all the players. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't see a way out from personally. Um, I just also just don't know how a lot of the players are going to deal with this. I can. I can foresee a lot of withdrawals from the Canadian Open, possibly. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe they won't be in the right headspace does, to play. Does Rory pull out? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. 
if, really if, if Roy, like, this, this is probably a bit harsh, but, like, if Roy doesn't pull out, I feel like he knew about it. Mm. Because, like, if he's really been blindsided and he's just, just spent the last yeah. six, seven, eight months really attacking Liv for the PGA Tour's benefit and then just has the rug pulled from under him and then just carries on playing this week like nothing's happened. Mm. I, I, uh, it's, it's just not I'm not, it's just not enough information no, about all this out yet, no. is there? So it's, it's just we, speculation. We don't even know what it means. Like, we don't, we don't even know no. what, like, we don't even know, does it mean that Liv won't exist anymore and everyone will just go back to playing the two tours? Does it mean that there's just going to be one tour and it's going to be a global tour and that's eventually what everyone wants yeah, to do exactly. in the first place? Like, it's... There really isn't. Are the Ryder Cup players going to become eligible? Like we don't know anything yet. And yeah. like they're saying, they're bringing the like you know the best golfers in the world are going to compete together again. But in what like how like, is it just in the majors comfortably, or which they're going to be yeah. against? Uh, it's just there was. It's not. It wasn't really clear. As we both just said, it's just there's not enough information. I think. Um, I think what's really happened is like the PJ Tour. We're going to go. We're going to run into trouble, I think, financially, trying to keep up with Liv. Mm-hmm. So they threw everything at it they could until now, realised it wasn't sustainable. They couldn't get the sponsors to back them. The ones that they did want, they had to turn down because of the stance they were taking against, um, you know, Saudi, you know, invested companies and things like that. But Liv also realised that they couldn't get the products that the PJ Tour has, and they couldn't get the, the stories and, and everything that people want to follow. So they've had to kind of find a middle ground. And ultimately, I think when you read back, and this has been tweeted about quite a lot today, like when you look back, a lot of people a lot of people are saying that Saudi basically offered this money to them in 2018 without wanting to do a rival tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it just feels like Monaghan... It could have just, all been avoided. <laughs> yeah, like it should have just been avoided. It made great news and a lot of talking. It points. did. I mean, look, we, we've had a year of talking about something that may not have ever existed if if this didn't start. So mm-hmm. um, I think that the trouble is there's been some reputations tarnished that are never going to be able to go quite back the same as they were. But, you know, Phil and so Do you think some players could boycott? Yeah. At all? Could there be a, yeah. another tour coming? Well, but, I mean, that thing with Tiger was and Rory was set up, right? Tiger so, and Rory could just... Like, could they just set one up? Do they then run into the issues because the PJ Tour and the DP World Tour control the official world golf rankings? Does it matter if you set up a new tour? Like, there's so much. There's we've so seen much it before. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it before. We've seen what it looks like, so uh, yeah. maybe we'll get round two, mate. But look, let's leave that there for now. Let's um, leave it there. Let's we'll, go on to the golf. Yeah, we'll have some more reactions to it as we go along. But let's not... I mean, look, the Canadian Open's already lost out for a couple of years in a row to live. Uh, two years being missed for COVID. The Scandinavian mix is an event that should be celebrated, and we're talking about this. So... Let, yeah, let's, talk about, let's talk about the two that's events that, we, that we're here to talk about. Let's start with Scandinavian Mixed. Mm-hmm. New golf course this this year. Again, third yes. time in a row they've changed it. Do you think that is imperative that they keep changing the golf course to keep the excitement? Uh, possibly, yeah. And I mean, I think they liked it because obviously last year, um, obviously Grant completely overpowered the course yeah um one by nine shots maybe this course might be a little bit better maybe it can't be overpowered as much i mean it's even shorter I think the men are playing off 6819 yards and the woman about 800 yards less at 6600 uh 6067 yards yeah so yeah um yeah it's, it's nice to switch it up so it's, it makes our t- task of uh, a little bit tougher possibly but um yeah, exciting event. I do look forward to this one. 
So the only the only thing I got uh, so Sven Tumba was a designer of this golf course uh, originally before Jack Nicholas kind of redesigned it in 2010, reopened it in 2013. Jack Nicholas basically wanted to leave it alone. But the only other course that I could find that he designed that people have played recently was the Dormy Open on the Challenge Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, now nobody that had won that or played well in that is actually really playing this week. Um, but it did lead me to a couple of different rabbit holes that I'll go into with yeah. my selections. Um, did you find anything about the course that you, you thought of any particular note, or do you think it's just a case of look at uh, last year's results, look at some shorter courses and Sue Pride? Honestly, it's just, it's not too dissimilar to last year's course, other than I, I think it's even more a bit one of the strategic tests sort of actually off the tee. It's just a bit of location form and, you know, there's so much water. So it's just emphasis on accuracy, really. Um, and just, yeah, that's all I really looked at. Yeah, no, fair enough. Let's go into it. So just just as, uh, you know, people by now know that Jason isn't on the podcast this week, he has gone in with Lynn Grant to win again. He's gone Lynn Grant to win. Lynn Grant to be top female as well. Uh, he's gone with Alexander Bjork. Uh, Marcus Kinhal and Julian Brune. So I'm going to give his uh, selections straight off the board. I haven't got the reasonings for them. I think it's very clear why he likes Lynn Grant and Alexander Bjork. Um, yep. Kinhal, obviously a home player, playing some decent golf and can obviously spike at any given time. Uh, and Julian Brune, I'm going to give uh, some background on anyway. So um, I can mm-hmm. explain that there. Uh, any thoughts on the initial thoughts from what Jason's done there with, with Grant and Bjork at the top? No, I, I, I love... Lingrat, I think she's an absolute star. Obviously, what she did last year, and but I do think there is a better valued uh, woman in the field yeah. who's coming over from the LPGA, who's available at a better price, similar sort of game power, and uh, tee to green um, game. So I just, that's that's where I stand on Grant because she wasn't in the field last year and she is this year. So Let, let's go into that then, mate. Let's, let's go mm-hmm. into your first selection. So right. Madeline so, Sagstrom. Yeah. Yeah, Madeline Sergstrom. Um, so I, obviously I wanted to have a, a lady on board. Um, given the way they set it up, you're not sure if it's going to be an advantage or not. But they like to obviously have it a level playing field. Uh, so yeah, as I said before, nearly 800 yards shorter could be a significant advantage in what is already a short course. Um, Sagstrom is uh, usually an LPGA player. She's having a week off there to play in this event. She hasn't come home to Sweden to compete since 2015. I think that was when she's sort of first breaking through. She's playing on the early tee. Um, and she just stands out as a class act amongst some of these um, European tour, ladies European tour players. And she's creeping into some good form as well. 17th, 10th and 13th from her last three starts. Her ball striking also seems to be trending. Uh, she was ranked 29th, 19th and 11th last week at the Mizzou America's Open. She was also ranked fifth in greens and regulation, which could be really key this week. Um, and as I said, like the course doesn't necessarily reward distance, but Sagstrom averages over 280 in drive and distance. Uh, she ranks inside the top 10 on the LPGA. The par fives will play like par fours, and she will have a lot of short irons into the greens um, with her power. And seeing as she hit her irons really well last week, it's really encouraging to see. And she's an LPGA winner, two-time Solheim Cup player. Um, and I, I honestly feel like she can she can win this this week. Yeah, so I think I think for me with Sextrum, I kind of brought this up on the DPL Tour podcast this morning, which I don't necessarily know whether that's going to go out in, in light of recent events. But um, 
<laughs> like I sort of said earlier that like we always talk about players coming from the PGA Tour to the DP World Tour and their form kind of like if they've, if they've been playing reasonable work reasonably on the PGA Tour then then really standing out on the DP World Tour that was a mumbled way of saying that you know yeah. the PGA Tour form looks stronger than DP World Tour form right and I think that's going to yeah. be the case with Sagstrom like 17th mm-hmm. 10th and 13th on the LPGA probably means first third and fifth on the yeah, LET, right? Well, okay, um, and also, when I just looked, like second and fourth in their last two women's opens as well. The the only concern I had on her is that she's not played it yet, and whether no, that would, whether that would be of any detriment. But if I took those lines, then I basically would feel. Uh, I think there was um, Clara Spilkova as well. Both of them, they've got like really good form at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah but, but neither, neither of them have played so like I couldn't rule them out based on that basis uh, I haven't mm-hmm. bet one of the ladies this week uh, if I was going to it probably would have been Anna Polias just because she had three second place finishes this season uh, including mm-hmm. last week uh, but he's interesting enough as well Lisa Pedersen who won last week used to be a member of this yeah. golf course and still lives yeah, yeah. 15 minutes she's... away Yes, exactly, and she's also a really big price in the the ladies. Um, she is. Um, ladies only market. To one, I think she was. Yeah, hundred um, to one, five places. Uh, yeah, I think Lisa uh, Peterson's definitely worth a, a look. For sure. I, th- I think the concern with Peterson was like it was a win out of nowhere. Like she had three missed cuts, and she said like, I was watching her interview earlier, and she said she was literally considering her future on the LET. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know how you go from that winning and then back it up with a really strong performance. Uh, in an event no. like this, but, but you're not going to know it like 50. No, exactly, it's all factored in, right? And yeah, exactly. I, I think, think she's a big price. Yeah, I think she's a big price. Um, so yeah, Sagstrom, I definitely agree with. Uh, I completely see why Jason is so keen on Lynn Grant. Um, very difficult mm-hmm. to argue about yeah. Alexander Bjork at the moment in terms of uh form. I just don't know the winning upsides there. I've, I've said that all the way along during this run, so not going to mm-hmm. stop now. Uh, with that stance, um, I said. Earlier, that was going to come on to uh, Julian Brunner and give some colour to that, and I will now. So, basically, for me, it's, it's very convoluted, uh, but the, the Dormy Open I mentioned uh, was won by Quatero Blanco. He finished 14th in the Importer Challenge. Bjorn Helgrim was second at the Dormy Open, and he was 10th in the Importer Challenge. Freiberhaus was second behind Quatero uh, Blanco at the Dormy Open. He was third at the Importer Challenge, uh, which suggests to me there's only been two years of that of form over those two events both both of them and the fact that Brun won that importer challenge suggested to me that without knowing that he played the Dormy Open well and without knowing necessarily what he's going to do here um, at 55 and 50 to 1 um, depending on the place terms you want to take I mean 50 to 1 seven places is great I think because ultimately he was he was playing really well last week he was he was right there in the mix uh, he should have been closer going into the final day and then he was right there on the final day before just completely ejecting. Um, yeah. It was really tough to watch, but he's now been 15th, 29th, and 29th. And I'd really look at that kind of like 15th, 17th, and 12th, whatever. Like, I know you can't just give people extra places. Like it doesn't, golf doesn't work like that. But he's playing well enough to suggest that is possible. Um, and he's yeah. been 4th and 14th for the last two weeks in strokes gain approach and 26th and 39th for Tita Green. So. For me, I'm going to stick with Julian Brun one more time. I trust him mm-hmm. to win uh, if he gets himself in contention as well. I mean, we saw with McKibben last week. Uh, I mean, you just got to stick with these players who have been knocking on the door and playing good golf. And Julian Brun has probably been playing even more consistent than McKibben. You know? yeah. And he just needs 
some good weekend golf. Like he seems to get in good positions, especially on Sundays, and he shoots like oh, a score in the seventies where he really needs to be shooting 65, 66, uh, depending on the course, obviously. So, yeah, I do like it though. He's he's, he's one that's going to break through probably some point of this year. Yeah. So that was my that was my spill to add to Jason's pick of Julian Brunen to say that I was joining him on that. But my favourite and shortest price bet of the week is Joost Lawson, who um, is still 30 to 1, which I was quite surprised about. I thought he'd come in a little bit as the week went on. Uh, but it hasn't been put up as I thought he might be. Three third-place finishes this season already. He's got back-to-back top 22 finishes in his past two starts. And I looked... Do you remember what I said about Siwoo Kim um, and the fact that I thought his finish at Colonial when he was 29th was really impressive considering he's not been great at that golf course in the past? Mm-hmm. I kind mm-hmm. of feel the same about Joost Lauten uh, in the sense that Green Eagle's not exactly the best test for him. It, it requires you to be pretty strong off the goal, off the tee, which he isn't. Um, and you know you can get yourself into trouble and if you don't putt great then you're going to be out of the mix and those are kind of things that would hinder Lauter normally but he finished 20th and I, I was really impressed by that I thought that was a, that was a great effort um, or you know 22nd whatever it was I thought that was pretty, plenty good enough um, mm-hmm. so you've got that and I just think as well is there going to be a better golf course for Joost Lauter for the rest of the season like, it's short there's mm-hmm. plenty of wedges um, you know, he, he never had a, you know, he never ejected any round last week. He, he shot a 70 in the first round and was third after day one, then went 74, 75, 74. But like, that was a tough golf course. And he was inside yeah. the top eight going into the weekend at the KLM as well. He's just been there or thereabouts for ages. He's now coming into an event that's playing at sub 7,000 yards. He's 37 years old. He's watched Marcel Seam and Pablo Larafaba roll back the years. Why can't he? Mm-hmm. Is kind of my. Um, take on it. Six-time DP World Tour winner. I can see him definitely becoming a seven-time Tour winner by the end of this week. I like it. So yeah, so that, that was me. So starting off with Lawson and Brun, um, and then we agree on a pick here, which is always nice. Um, Lovely. Matthew Baldwin, who best price a hundred to one still, which is I'm surprised that's holding oh, on actually. Uh, nice, hundred yep. to one seven places. So I'll let you talk about Matthew Baldwin because people probably have bored of my voice after a couple of players there. Um, and I'll just add in anything else that I thought was relevant. Yeah. Well, immediately, I just feel like this is the type of test that will, is that suits Baldwin. Like I have a certain sort of, like, certain courses that immediately just come to me when, I, when I'm going over going, it's like, yeah, this is a Matthew Baldwin type of test. He's one of the more accurate players on the DP World Tour. Uh, 39 for drive and accuracy and 27 for greens and regulation. It's all about fairways and greens of him, and that's the type of skill set I'm looking for this week. He's finished 26th, 21st, 52nd in his last three starts. Um, short game cost him last week at the European Open. He hit his iron superbly, gained off the tee, um, but it was always going to be tough for him at Green Eagle. Um, but yeah, as I said, this course should suit him a lot better. The putter, it's been pretty cold for majority of the season, uh, but we saw what happens when he has a good putting <laughs> week at the SBCO uh, Championship uh, back in March. He gained over 6.5 strokes putting and broke through in emphatic fashion, winning by seven shots. And I just feel like 101 looks a big price for a proven winner who is in better form now than he was back in March when he won. 
So, better, yeah. better form now, probably than he's ever been in his career, right? Like he's always mm-hmm. he's always yes. shown flashes of of being a good player ever since he turned pro in God knows how long ago, like 2008, whatever it was. And, ago, he, yeah. and he won pretty quickly on the Challenge Tour, like 2011, beat Julian Gurrier, another person that's struggling to win. Um, had a playoff loss to Jack Senior in 2019 in Challenge Tour as well. He's won on the mean at all. Like he's he's capable of winning at the lower level, but he never proved it at this level. And I think everyone kind of like considered him to be a bit of a link specialist, and he would just do well there. And the SDC Championship obviously had a little bit of links element to it. But another thing that I kind of looked at again was that um, other Sven Zumba design in Switzerland, and he's been 12th and 18th in that Dormy Open on the Challenge Tour. Mm-hmm. Like considering he's playing better now than I think he ever was, um, I just I just think that he probably would have like in the form that he's in, he probably would have won one of those. And all of a sudden, if he'd won one of those, I'd be well in with him. So 100 to 1 yeah. for a player that's won, a, won an event by seven strokes already this season. And also, just the way he's responded to being a winner for the first time. Like, he was 32nd um, the week after. He did miss a couple of cuts in Japan and Korea, but potentially just, you know, doesn't play particularly well in Asia. That's not, um, that's not you know, a, a given that people can travel well, right? So, then bounces back in Italy. He was 8th at the halfway stage, finished 26th in a decent field there. 21st at the KLM Open. And then last week he was 52nd, but he was 5th going into the weekend. Um, I know he shot 80, 75, and the first thing people are going to say is, well, he lost it over the weekend, and why do you trust him to carry on? But this isn't Green Eagle. This isn't a big driving golf course with loads of water over it. It's Mm -hmm. a really short golf course where there's not much to to trip you up. So to me, um, I don't really feel any kind of concerns with Matthew Baldwin, which is a dangerous place to be in with a 100 one pit, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, when, exactly. But when you feel like that about a 100-to-1 shot, I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, no, hopefully hopefully it means something at the end of the uh, end of the week, but we yeah, shall yeah. see. Um, I've just noticed that the one that I was going to say after this is, is coming a bit on the prices. So Santiago Tario is 90-to-1. First person I kind of thought of um, this week, Outside maybe Loughton was Santiago Tario. Just someone that definitely prefers a shorter setup. Uh, he was tied fourth in this event last year. He actually only finished one shot shy of being the leading male in the field, despite the fact that he was blown out by ten strokes by Lean Grant. Um, but he's you know made three of his last five cuts. He's had two top twenties in that time. Sixteenth at the Italian Open, twentieth last week at the European Open, and again keep harbouring back to this point, but like Siwoo Kim at Colonial, like Loughton last week at the Porsche European Open, I think that 20th means a lot more than a 20th would necessarily suggest, uh, considering it's not necessarily the sort of course that he would be great at. He was fifth after 36 holes as well, so he's really in the mix at one point. Mm-hmm. Comes back to an event, like I said, he finished fourth at 12 months ago. I just trust him with you know these kind of short irons, wedges, and putting tests. Um, his putter can get a little bit cold, and that has held him back over the year. But I do think Tario at ninety twenty was a hundred to one when I was you know first yeah. putting him up. Uh, is pretty good, so I'm happy with Tario. And then this final pick from you was one that was definitely the last person off my shortlist, and it was just it? yeah it just screams like we're at a shorter golf course. Let's mm-hmm. play this guy. Exactly, it's, it's that in a nutshell, really. Um, it's one of the shortest hitters on tours, uh, James Morrison. Yeah. Um, and there are only a few courses Morrison can truly contend on nowadays, and this should be one of them. Uh, he's deadly accurate off the tee, uh, ranking 25th in driving actually for the season. 
He's had a pretty tough year, uh, but he performed a lot better in his last two starts. Finished seventh at the Sadao Open, another short positional course. One of the courses, again, that he should be looking to contend at. Um, then finished tied 39th at the KLM Open. Last time out, closing with a round of 69, which was his best of the week. Um, yeah, decent showing in this event a couple of years ago. Finished tied fourth, uh, which is always good to see. Um, I'm sure why he didn't play in last year's event after a good um, showing in the 2021. But uh, yeah, he's back this year. And with him playing a bit better recently, I feel like he has to be chanced at the odds on a course that should be suited to him. Yeah, I think that's, that is it in a nutshell. Like I just... And I didn't actually mention this, but Loughton, like Loughton was second going into the weekend at this event in 2021 as well. So both of those guys kind of played this event well two years mm. ago, didn't do anything last year. And they, it just strikes me as this kind of veteran short hitter golf course. It really does. Where, like, yeah. I just think they're the sort of person that's not going to get kind of caught up in the ladies versus men's or, or whatever kind of factor they're just going to get here treat it like another dp world tour start take advantage of a slightly weaker field and and really yeah. just push on like even even with the players that are in this right like at the top of the market like you've got robert mcintyre you've got alexander bjork you've got rosner Kiefer, campio they're all either going out of form a little bit or have their mm-hmm. problem winning and i think it just opens up really you know massively for these kind of hundreds one shots yeah it really does yeah so I think that was pretty much it for the Scandinavian mix. Like I didn't look too much into mm-hmm. it uh, beyond that. I had my kind of four or five selections in there, uh, or you know, four with with the fifth one probably being Morrison. Um, and that was it really. Like I, I think there's maybe a little bit to be done in terms of like top nationality market. Like I think you could take some of these uh, ladies in the top nationalities. I think that's an, mm-hmm. an interesting way to play yeah, them. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like I looked at these top Spanish for Ana Pelaez because, I mean, Adrián else is not playing well and Jorge Campillo is going off the boil. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of one angle that you could you could play her in there. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely something to look at, but probably a case of just personal preference at the end of this week. So it's definitely, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be in a week that people are going to get too heavily involved in side markets and things like that with a, with a major coming up next week. So, no, so. Um, let's go on to the Canadian Open then. Feel really sorry for this event. I've got to be honest. Like it's it's had two years <laughs> lost through COVID. Then last year yeah. was the first event to compete with Live, and then this this year it competes with uh, the biggest news in golf since yeah, the last time. All the, all the US Open dropouts. Yeah, well. like that, and that was the thing. Like a lot of people that people were going to play this week have come through those US Opens and either withdrawn or have now got a really long week ahead of them. Um, right. So I, I do think it's going to be. Uh, I'm glad it was none of my players, really. Like uh, one of uh, my players. What, uh, yeah. Luke List, he was going to win this week. But, yeah. He was. Um, <laughs> Benny Ann withdrew, which was which probably saved me a few quid in the end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he would definitely have been in the mix. But let's look at the top of the market, uh, Brad. We've already spoken about Roy McIlroy off the top. He's five to one. Tyrrell Hatton's 12 to 1, Sam Burns 14s, and then it's Matt Fitzpatrick, Cameron Young 16s, Corey Connors and Justin Rose 18s, Shane Lowry 20s. I can't remember an event that would have been so dominated by European players on the PJ Tour uh, in terms mm-hmm. of favouritism. Uh, I'm going to oppose Rory, I've already said that. I was going to oppose him regardless of what happened this yeah, week. Even anyway. more so now. Yeah, yeah. And just definitely now. So like, I could see him definitely coming out. So. Maybe by the time you've listened to this podcast, he might not even be playing, depending on how that players' meeting goes. Um, 
I've backed Cyril Hassan at twelve to one. I don't feel mm-hmm. I don't feel great about it after what happened with Patrick Cantley last week when I was on him at kind of like ten to one and twelve to one. Um, but I just trust him so much. He's third in strokes gain total this season. He's only behind John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler. No player. There's only been three players over the past five years. This is from Jason Sable to average over two strokes gain total. And that is Rory McIlroy, John Rahm and Dustin Johnson. And all of them mm-hmm. won at least once. I don't think Tyrrell Hassan's going to get to the end of the season averaging over two shots gained. But it's still pretty good. And at some point, I think it's just going to come to a head and I think it's going to be at this Canadian Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, can't, I don't think I can argue anything against that. And I was on him last week for similar reasons. Um, I think it's just uh, the price. It's probably because I, I settled for one up the top. Yeah. And um, as I, I think it's a great week for long shots. I really do. Um, it's interesting, and... though, because like the four, I think it's like four of the last six winners have been like 10 to 1 or shorter mm. at this event. I just think that the quality of the event mixed with the US Open coming up just leaves the leading golfer to be the top. Maybe just, just looking at like Hatton, he was so obviously he was in contention at the DP World Tour Championship last year, wasn't he? Um, at the end of the year, he was second. Comes right out of the gates and finishes seventh for the Abu Dhabi. Pretty disappointing in Dubai, but then he was sixth at the Phoenix Open, fourth at Bay Hill, second at the Players, third at Quail Hollow, fifth at the Byron Nelson. 15th for the PGA, 12 last week. And any one of those ones that are outside the top 10 probably could have been top 10s based on him chucking things away a little bit with mental breakdowns. Mm-hmm. So just just really good. Uh, really, really good. And I must admit, the player you're going to put up first, and I'll let you come on to him, was definitely close for me. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I can't it's, do it. I'm going to do it. It's a tough grab, isn't it? It is a really tough grab. I think I'm going to do but it next week when he can't Burns and Fitzpatrick are also good options. I feel like you've got to take one of either Hatton, Burns, Fitzpatrick, and the guy I'm going to put up, Justin Rose, yeah. who is now available at 18-1. to 1. He was 20s on Monday. Yeah. Still, yeah. It's not the, the it's not don't particularly love the number, uh, but he just makes far too much appeal for him not to be on the betting card. He just continues to play consistently well, uh, a bit like Hatton, but obviously Hatton's been um, probably playing a little bit better. Yeah, playing consistently well week in week out. Uh, hasn't finished worse than thirty sip in his last six starts. Um, that includes two really solid performances in the majors: sixteenth at Augusta, ninth at the PJ Championship. Um, he's been dialed in with his irons, gaining strokes and approach in his last four starts. Um, he was the best in the field on approach in his last start, Colonial, a couple of weeks ago. Um, this course is likely going to yield a lot of birdies. It probably boiled down to approach play and putting. And so that's that's what Rose has been exceptional in like for most of the season. Um, Oakdale does bear a lot of resemblance to St. George's um, that hosted last year's Canadian Open. Rose finished tied fourth there after closing with a round of 60 and he wasn't in the best of form at the time with just two cuts in six starts um, arriving into the Canadian Open. So quite the opposite this time round. He arrives in excellent form and yeah, I can see him winning again. He's knocking on the door. Um, so yeah, Rose is my guy up top. Yeah, 10 straight, 10 straight events he's gained strokes and approach. Like it's, it's absolutely wild. Like wow. one of them, that much? Yeah, one of them was only marginal. Like at the Valspire, it was like zero point zero five on average. But like, 
literally from the farmers onwards, including his Pebble Beach win, he's mm. gained strokes in approach. And most of those, he's, like, he's gained strokes in short game and around the green and passing as well. It's just been off the tee that he's been a little bit... And it's not even... Um, he's just not that long. So if he gets a little bit like inaccurate, then he's not going to mm-hmm. get any strokes. It's as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, look, I've, I've sold people on rowers for two major championships already this season. I'm probably. Oh, gonna... I think I was on him at the same time. As yeah. You. <laughs> like spoiler alert, I'm probably going to do it again next week. Yeah. Um, I would advise people. I would say this. I say this a couple of times. Sometimes a week before a major, if you're going to bet Justin Rose this week, bet him next week as well, um, mm-hmm. because he could either finish fourth this week, look really good, and go into next week with a bunch of confidence, or he's going to be he's going to win this week at twenty to one, and then you're going to get him at thirty five to one or whatever next mm-hmm. week. Um, and I, I do still think he's got plenty to offer. I I haven't dived you know, too much into LA Country Club in terms of whether it suits him. Um, but I just believe he can win anywhere right now. I think it's a little bit like Jason Day at the start of the season. I think it was just yeah. going to come. Um, he's obviously he's already got, got that win at Pebble. He? Like, he's yeah, already, he's like, I could see him winning three times this season. I don't think that's... Yeah, why not? Like, he's already got one. <laughs> like, he's already got one. We're talking about him as a 21 shot in this one. He's had... I mean, he could have easily won the PGA. Mm-hmm. Like, he was yeah. right there. He was was it just Fifth, didn't really have the best on sunday no and he was just poor on um that short game and that's just mm-hmm. unusual for him so um i kind of like when i see players i'm not sure i don't, don't want anyone to struggle at 20 to 1 but like when they're struggling with something you know they're good at generally um i think that's a positive so um yeah i, I don't know why i'm trying to talk up your pick rather than my own but like, <laughs> no, um, I like yeah justin rose is great and if it wasn't for the fact that I'd already taken Tyrrell Hassan at the top and felt quite confident about him, um, yeah. I would have gone to Rose. Mackenzie Hughes is next up for you at sixty-six to one. It I is. thought I thought it might be me next, but it's no. It's definitely you, Mackenzie Hughes. Tell us why him over the other Canadians in the field. Is it, he's been pretty solid here, like in general in this event. Yeah, like Canadians historically don't have the best record in their home event. Yeah, um, but yeah, Mackenzie's been pretty steady his 32nd 8th 14th and 28th in his last four appearances at the canadian open so that definitely um i think that's pretty solid compared to the others uh but yeah he hasn't been in the best of form recently four missed cuts from his last five starts he had a decent out in um tpc curry Carranche a few weeks ago finishing tied 14th um last week he missed the cut at the memorial by a shot and hit the ball that's a lot better in the second round. He's, he slightly gained off the tee, um, but he was fourth best in the field on approach. That's certainly something to build on coming into this week. Um, I saw online that he played a practice round two or three weeks ago with Connors um, and the head pro of Oakdale. Um, the head pro said they both spent most of their time understanding the greens and uh, how the ball would react in certain areas as most of the approaches will come from a side hill, uphill or downhill lie. Um, his home course, Hamilton, um, which is set to host next year's Canadian Open, is only an hour or so away. Um, so, yeah, he's at, there's every chance he knows the course well. Um, obviously, he's a two-time PJ Tour winner. I think he's available at a great price. I got him at hundreds on um, Monday, but I think 66 to 1, I'd have still... I'd have still been on. I really like him this week. I managed to convince everyone in my office last week to bet him at first round leader and he missed the cut. But 
he was gaining an approach and it, and it was really impressive. He'd been the co-leader at the Memorial the year before after round one. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was quite confident what he's done. He's had distance to his game, which is great. His last opening, last his opening rounds over the last four Canadian Opens, 67 to 17th after day one, 69. Um, where's the other one? 66 last year to be fifth after round one. 66 after round one two years ago to be 15th or two starts going to Canadian Open. So... I think I'm going to fall down that trap again of backing him first round leader, and I'd probably mm-hmm. advise anyone to do that, do the double on him, um, just so you can waste more money that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I really like Mackenzie Hughes. He's sneakily adding distance to his game. He's, mm-hmm. I think he's a quite well-rounded player at this point. Obviously, his, his approaches are a little bit up and down, but when he gains them, he gains really strongly. And he's a good I, competitor as well, isn't he? Like when he gets a sniff, he does hang around. He's better than Adam Svensson, right? Like he's he's so. a better player think, than Adam Svensson, I think. Yeah, I think he's more, um, what's the word, sort of uh, not just like proven. Tall, yeah, he's like, just more ready, like, though, isn't he? Like, I get the Svensson's yeah. playing well. Like, he was 10th after 36 holes at the PGA. He was 4th after 36 holes at Quail Hollow, finished 27th and 40th. But I get he's in good form, but I just I trust Mackenzie Hughes more. Um, and he's got a price beyond him in the market, so. That was surprising. Mm-hmm. There's also Paris Bond, uh, hot shot Ludwig Aberg this week, who will uh, be interesting to see how he oh, Yeah, he's took some money. He has. Um, it's definitely the Rose Zanger effect. Um, we're getting a bit too it excited. It really is. I think it was Ben uh, Coley that tweeted that Morikawa came into this event 700 to 1. <laughs> it doesn't help now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But it's, also, it's, you see it so much more often on the LPGA. Like the, yeah. the women come out the, the amateur ranks and just do well straight well, off the actually, bat. There was also, like, Roseanne was older than a lot of those LPGA ones that yeah. break through. I'm, I know I'm, she's I'm not old by any means, but like you get like 14 year old winners on the, on the yeah. women's tour, right? So, Roseanne could have been professional two years ago quite yeah. easily. Like, it's been, she's just completely longed out her amateur career and it's been a brilliant one. Um, obviously, she was ready as she proved last week, but yeah, she, well, she, she, she was playing majors in 2018, right? Like, she, like she's been around yeah, for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and hats off to her, like, she won every award that she needed to, she's done everything she needs to do at Stanford and what she did, and, and obviously it paid off. She, win our first, she wins her first pro event. Um, but yeah, I don't know necessarily that. I, I mean, Aberg is a great talent, and I, I really do trust him if he gets himself in the mix to. To hold on mentally, but he was up there in at Bay Hill and faded away a little bit. So he's he's was. got he's got a little bit of, of form already. I just he come out hot in um, Dubai as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, like I, I wonder what price he would have had to have been for me to bet him. Like I know there was like early hundred and fifties or something ridiculous if you woke up at five o'clock in the morning, but um, yeah, like I'd want triple digits. I think I would want triple digits still. And that's why I've got nowhere near him this week. And I, I'd, I'd definitely bet him a hundred to one. I think. Yeah. Just just from talent alone. But yeah, I, I'm really I really hope he plays well. Like don't don't be wrong. This isn't a, you know, I, I don't want to hear his name. Like I really want to hear him do well. Yeah. And if he can, he's, he's still my greatest ever outright uh, win at four hundred yeah. to one. Nice. So I've absolutely nothing. Yeah, you, love you, can't, you can't lose from him on either. You're uh, you're well ahead. No, no. <laughs> It'd be a while before we get 400 to one about Louvre Day, but yeah, I think I think so. You'd have to really go off the ball, <laughs> and then you don't want to back him anyway. So um, <laughs> I'll come on to my 80 to one shot. It's Michael Kim, uh, another one, a bit like Matthew Baldwin on the DP World Tour. I don't know how he doesn't win. Um, <laughs> he's he's literally like I'm looking at an 80 80 to one 
shot thinking he must win this week. But I just think he's almost 100% back to his best. And when he was coming out of college, he was one of the best amateurs of the time. Like he was Haskins Award winner, Nicholas Award winner. Uh, He won the John Deere Classic by eight strokes in 2018 when he shot 27 under. I think you're going to have to do something like that this week in Canada. So I like the fact he's already done it. A lot of people are pointing to the fact he's not great on comp courses, but we've got to remember that he was basically a 28 handicapper for two two or three years. Like he just he lost his game completely. Now you just yeah. need to look at his body of work and and what he's doing at the moment. His best efforts have come on shorter courses at Silverado and Colonial, where he's been third and sixth. Outside of that win, he was um, seventh at Quail Hollow three starts ago. There's a lot of crossover between Quail Hollow and this event last year. And I think that's probably because, despite the fact that Quail Hollow is a, a different test and it's in the fact that it's longer and more driver heavy, like I think because mm. the rough can get up here and you do have to sort of shape shots and stuff like that, there is, a, there is an element that can drive it well here as well. So um, I think that's probably why that leads into that. But look, the, the bottom line is eight out of his last nine cuts. He's had three top sevens in that period. 11th at Pebble Beach earlier in the season. I don't really get why he's 80 to one in this field. Um, no. He's kind of priced like he can't win. And I just don't get that. Like he's, he's just playing so well. It's great in birdie fests as well, isn't it? You yeah. Feel, I feel it's going to be a birdie fest. So this is probably where he's going to shine. He's strokes game Twitter. Like I always say, if someone's uh, active on Twitter or Instagram, it means they feel good about their game. So, yeah, I mean, well, Mackenzie Hughes and uh, Michael Kim. Yeah, they, sh- well they should be right. Yeah, Mackenzie Hughes is all over it this week. Tried to uh, try to jump on the bandwagon and get him on the on the podcast earlier. That didn't work. Um, but just ball striking, right? Michael Kim, I just think he's he's playing well, and ultimately, I trust him in a field of this strength. So mm-hmm. I went there with him. Uh, talk to us again. Like you, you've put a couple of selections up that I like this week, and I know you had serious right. FOMO about Siru Kim. Uh, last I week. did last week. Christ, yeah, that was that would have hurt, but also I'd have been happy for you, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have a little bit of C- I'm gonna have a little bit of that case if uh, CT Pan wins this week. I'll be honest. Yeah, so we haven't really seen much of him this year due to injury problems related to his wrist. It sort of kept him out for most of the year. He's come back a couple of months ago, but he missed um, the cut in his first two starts. It was at the RBC Heritage and the Wells Fargo, which is of course understandable he's been out for ages um but then he put in a ex- excellent performance at the byron nelson uh, last time out he closed with a round of 64 finished tied fourth um he was rock solid across the board gaining over two strokes in every department um he's obviously going to be eager to make up for lost time and i think oakdale oakdale sorry will be right up his street um, his one and only win on the PJ Tour came at the RBC Heritage, another course that can't be overpowered, rewards accuracy. Um, and after turning professional, Pam went and competed on the Canadian Tour. Um, it was in 2015. And he played seven events, won twice and finished third, never missed a cut. He also finished tied 14th in his only appearance at the Canadian Open in 2017. But I think all bodes well. And at the price, I think 125 to 1, eight places with Skybet. It's, it's brilliant. And uh, I fancy he'll go well this week. Yeah, with CT Van, that doesn't mention that 14th at Canadian Open. He opened with 72 to be 107th after round one. 
and then shot a 66 on Friday to be 36, 67 on Saturday to be 19th, and 68 on Sunday to be 14th. So he really got himself back into that event after a slow start. And when you look at like his OWGR, like in terms of best performances, and this is sporadic throughout years, right? But uh, he won the RBC Heritage, as you already mentioned. He's been second at Tory Pines, third in the Olympics, third at Colonial, um, fourth at Adele Tech, which is a playoff event, second at the Wyndham, seventh at the Masters, fourth again at the Byron Nelson this year, in, you know, as you've already mentioned, in that sort of comeback period. Ninth at Riviera, third at the Honda. It's littered with just like really, really strong finishes. Oh, eight, for the, yeah. eight for the Travellers, which is uh, another one where you've got Bent Grass and Poa Greens. And uh, sixth at the Fortinet Championship as well, Silverado, which is another reason I liked kind of Michael Kim this week. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 he was really good for a really sustained period of time on the PJ Tour. And it's, he really was, I, yeah. I think you forget about these players quite quickly. Like, because he went away... Um, you know what for a year i guess like mm-hmm. of, of just bad form and injury and things like that you kind of just go oh, well cc pan's not that good anymore and it's not that it's just that he's been injured and all of a sudden um he's looking it was an incredible lovely. amateur it was an incredible amateur and sort of came out really hot um yeah as you said like he's he's been out for a while and i do feel like he's gonna he's gonna come back strong i really yeah. do yeah so he's he's my fomo which actually to be honest Looking at my card, I could probably add him on, so I might I might even just do that rather than feel like I'm going to miss yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but Lee Hodges for me was the final 110 to one. Mm-hmm. I know I might have missed the boat here. Like I, I don't know if he's peaked with his performance last week in the Memorial, but I'm willing to give him another chance because so in a stretch that started the PGA Championship and ended at Memorial last week, he's been 43rd, eighth, and sixth in strokes gain approach, 27th, 13th, and 13th in tee to green. So that's correlated into 55th at the PGA Championship, 29th at the uh, Charles Schwab, and 12th at the Memorial. Those are his past three starts. It adds to his side sit for the Valero earlier in the season before the Masters. Then I looked at the fact that he played it last year and he was fifth after two rounds at this Canadian Open. Um, okay, albeit at a different golf course, but we're projecting it's going to be pretty similar this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot to like about Lee Hodges and whilst yeah. he hasn't got the kind of I mean I just talked about CT Pan there and it's kind of like sustained amount of top finishes and a win to his name Hodges is all of a sudden in his best like his best world ranking is what he's at now 112 so he's clearly in a, a hot streak of form um, potentially pointing to signs that he's improving as a golfer and his best effort so far have been third in the Amex which again a lot of short irons and wedges seventh for the CJ Cup both last year, uh, he won on the Corn Ferry in 2020. Those those finishes I already spoke about, sixth and twelfth this year, up there, and then thirteenth for the FedEx mm-hmm. and Jude last year. A lot of short irons and wedges as well. Ninth for the Honda. There's lots of really good stuff in there that suggests that he can at least mix it um, in decent yeah. fields, and probably all of those top results that I've just mentioned there, better fields and what he's going to face this week. So. Um, for me, I think there's still enough value in Lee Hodges. I, I, I think so. I, I mean, I took him at um, the Charles Schwab Challenge at 150 to one. That's when he finished 29th and sort of yeah. started this trend. And now I didn't take him at Memorial. Obviously, last week I was feeling like an idiot a bit when he was in contention. Um, but yeah, he continues to play really well. He's a player I like a lot, and he's also had a stint on the Canadian Tour as well, uh, yeah. which is always good to see. So he knows. Um, he knows what it's all about in Canada. So, yeah, I, I really like it. I'm surprised his price hasn't come in more, if I'm honest, because um, he is trending at the moment. 
Um, and I think 100, 110 to one. I think they could be out there. I think it's a, a good price and someone that he could be someone I have as my FOMO. Tom's I might have maybe, to jump on. Maybe, maybe we'll just trade picks with Lee Hodges we'll trade, and Susie yeah, Pan we'll, we'll and, and add them both. Um, it's good that we can talk yourself into spending more money this week on a week where we probably <laughs> want to keep it light. A uh, couple of shouts, couple of shout outs. I think like I was really impressed with. Strangely, it's twenty twenty three. I can't believe I'm talking about this person, but. I was really impressed with what Snedeker done last week. He's been off for so long. It's only his second start of this tournament. I think he actually played the first event of the year and then hasn't played since. Uh, he played the Fortinet. But he gained on approach decently well last week. Uh, he was 26th in the field in strokes gain approach. And in tee to green, he was also uh, 34th. And that's in a memorial event, elevated event, where there's strong demands. He was 60th off the tee, which affects his tee to green game, right? Uh, his putter was just poor. It was ice cold, and that's to be expected when you've been out for so long. It's to be expected yeah. when you've got a sternum injury that apparently you're having experimental surgery on, uh, which neither of those things sound particularly promising uh, for his long-term future. But this feels a little bit like Jimmy Walker, where he caught fire for a bit. And when I look at mm-hmm. Snedeker, 7th, 5th, 31st, 1st, uh, 25th, 5th, 8th, 4th, and 48th in the Canadian Open. So he's got a win. He's got five other top eight finishes in this event over the last 15 years. It's probably another one back in the day when he was probably like 12 years old where he did well. Um, 250 to one. I, like, I, don't, I don't think he can win, and I don't even know that he can place, right? But I think he can top 20, top 40. Who knows? Like, I like it. Um, but yeah, as we saw, who would have said CT Pan would have finished fourth yeah. of the... Byron Nelson after coming back after missing two cuts in a row, you know, he seems to have a, a thing about performing well in Canada. So, and he played, showed enough signs last week. There's just no pressure uh, on him with off the tee, which is what I like. Like, yes, yeah. there's you need to be a bit accurate, but like the distance, like he's not gonna be sitting there going, "Oh, I've got a pound driver, 300 yards to even have a chance." Like he, he knows he can kind of compete around this golf course. And I think that just changes yeah. your mindset coming in. So, he's he's got the uh, the burners out after last week, uh, and I was just impressed with that. And then the other one, who's like 400 to one, who I don't, again, probably have even less confidence that he could ever win a tournament. But like Austin Cook uh, was 30, 13th for the Corrales. He was 39th for the Mexico Open, but he was actually 9th after round one, 19th after round two. And then the last time we saw him uh, was at the Byron Nelson. He missed the cut, but he actually opened with a 68. So he shot 68, 71 and missed the cut, which is pretty hard lines. Uh, and just speaks to the fact that that was you know, a massive birdie fest. But his mm. event form is is spectacular. I know we, we can't look at course form in general here, but the, the fact that he's played so well in three starts, I think he's like been 7th, miscut 13th in three starts in the Canadian Open. That 13th come last year. Shot a second round 64, third round 68, final round 69. So bounced back from a slow start. He's had the 7th already. Yes, he missed the cut in 2019, but... Just seems just seems to be that he can play well in Canada, and I don't think that's anything to do with like mm-hmm. oh he likes Canada. I think it's just the thing of these courses are probably set up more to what he can achieve. Yeah. So um, again, probably just a just like a top forty shout, just a kind of um, you know if you want to put some of those together, him Snedeker, I think um, I noticed like some of the other people like Callum Taran was down here. Like I don't think they can contend but they can do any, that any more for uh, Aaron Cockrell yeah like Aaron Cockrell another one like, exceptionally he could top 40 easily yeah. I think he, he would be the one I'll chuck in there with a bit of confidence as well like 48th in this event last year and yeah, then 
50, that third, what he's a lot more since then, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been class on the DP World Tour. Like 53rd, 13th, 2nd, 21st, 16th, 10th. Second, he obviously lost in the playoff in Japan as well, didn't he? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think he's definitely like... He's not like a token Canadian invite. He's earned his invite now, which is always nice to see. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he could be another one of those kind of top 40s if you wanted to chuck those and lose some more money in a, yeah. an accumulator. Yeah. If you want to lose even more money, then Miles Creighton... Um, yeah, one last point. week. Then is that was that it on did. the yeah, Canadian Twenty-five to one on the Latin Latino. America tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Latino America tour. That's it. And uh, yeah, he's been really steady all year. He tops the rankings on the tour. Um, I, I, I saw him complaining on Instagram about well, we weren't complaining. He's like, um, but he had to literally uh, as soon as he finishes round, get on a flight um, and be at a pro am uh, the next day. And he was like, I can't go. Obviously, he wasn't complaining at the same time. He's like, it's just, it's surreal. Hard, you know? yeah. so he's really, he's, I know the harsh life, right? Um, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's someone possibly he could sneak in top 40 with the way he's been playing. Um, so, yeah, it's another one. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we see these people just, they, they take it seriously. He's another Canadian and he, and the field's he's, getting weaker and weaker as well. Yeah, isn't like it? the more people to pull out, the, the better, I guess, for him. Um, so, yeah. I like that as well. Let's summarise our picks, Brad. Let's uh, let's keep this yeah. one relatively short. That's not that's not doing much for us. But um, <laughs> Jason's gone with Lynn Grant to win. Lynn Grant to be top female. Alexander Bjork to win. Marcus Kinholt and uh, Julian Brun both each way as well. In the Scandinavian mix, I've gone with Jus Lausen at 30 to 1 each way. I've gone with Julian Brun at 55 to 1 or 50 to 1 with the, the more places. Uh, Matthew, uh, sorry, Santiago Terra at 90 to 1. Matthew Baldwin at 100 to 1 all each way. Uh, Brad, your picks in the Scandinavian mix for us. I've gone for Madeleine Sagstrom at 28 to 1. Paddy Power, seven places. I've gone for. For Matthew Baldwin, uh, like yourself, 100 to 1. Um, and I've gone, I don't know what the best prize is, Paddy Power as well, seven places. And I've gone for um, James Morrison, and the best prize is 150 to 1, Unibet, six places. Yeah, I like it a lot. And then in Canada, I've gone with Tyrrell Hatton, 12 to 1. Um, yes, I am taking 10 to 1, 12 to 1 shots in you know, consecutive weeks. It is what it is. Um, I've gone with Michael Kim at 80 to 1. Lee Hodges at 110 to 1. And I'm going to join you on that CT pan at 125 nice. to 1. So, um, you know, I'll let you take the credit if it comes to the win, but I'll take the money <laughs> when it comes as well. Um, and then your picks for us for the Canadian Open? I've gone for Justin Rose, uh, 18 to 1's best price now, bet 365. Uh, and then I have gone for Mackenzie Hughes, uh, 66 to 1, eight places, uh, Paddy or Sky. And then I've gone to CT Pan, 125 to 1 sky bet, eight places. I don't know if I said Lee Hodges, but if I didn't say Lee Hodges, 110 to 1 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I every now and then seem to miss a player in kind of confirming my pick. So hopefully people uh, listened this far to, to hear that one as well. Um, Brad, busy day. I think that's why our heads are a little bit scrambled. Um, <laughs> two, two challenging betting events, I think is the nice way to put it. Um, Two interesting events, though. Like, if, if we can keep the field as it is in Canada and nothing mm-hmm. happens in the Scandinavian mix, I think there's still two events to look forward to. And then 
we got the big one next week with the uh, the US Open. Um, have, yeah, I won't be. Won't you be won't be here. It. You are you are not off this week. You're off next week, as we discovered last week exactly. on the podcast. Yeah. Jetting off to Kenya. Um, yeah, when when do you fly, Brent? I fly on um, Saturday, Saturday morning. Go. There yeah. you go. So get your get your US Open questions in for Brad before he flies away uh, <laughs> to the Kenya Open because he I'll will try be and probably unreachable at this point. Um, but uh, no, have a great trip there, mate, and uh, we'll Thank catch you up with you when you're back. Mm-hmm.